Well, good morning. If you have a Bible, join me in the Gospel of Luke or turn on your Bible if you have an app, right? Turn it on and find it. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6. Luke, chapter 6. This morning, we're going to look at one of the most quoted yet misinterpreted statements of Jesus. Say that again. This morning, we're going to look at one of the most quoted yet often misinterpreted statements of Jesus. We live in a don't judge kind of culture. In fact, this past summer, there was a challenge called the Don't Judge Me Challenge or the Don't Judge Challenge. That was all over Instagram and different things. But we live in a don't judge kind of culture. Maybe you've heard someone say those, those words this past week. Someone looked, you said, hey, don't judge as they went in for the fourth Krispy Kreme, Right? <laughs> Um, or, you know, don't judge me. You know, I'm just going to give you a hypothetical situation. I'm not saying this really occurred to someone that's standing up here um, this morning. But let's say imagining you're with some friends for dinner at Eli's Barbecue. And you've already eaten like a full Eli's Barbecue meal. You've had a cupcake and a half after that Eli's Barbecue meal. And then you maybe went back and got like an Eli's Barbecue hot dog. Right, and you're walking back, and as you're walking back to the table, you're looking at your friends, and I'm thinking, oh, I just told you who it was. And I'm thinking, don't judge me. Right? We've, we've kind of all been there. All right, or maybe you have um, a, a membership to Planet Fitness. And if you go to Planet Fitness, then you know that they call themselves home of the judgment-free zone. Home of the judgment. That's an absolute lie. That is a big lie. Right? You can call yourself home of the judgment-free zone, but we all know the gym is where judging happens the most. Right? You're on the treadmill sweating to the oldies or sweating to the whip-nay-nay, right? <laughs> right? And you're on the treadmill and you're looking around for someone that needs it more than you. Right? You are, you're just, come on. All right? You're looking around. Or if you're the buff guy at Planet Fitness, you're looking in the mirror going, yeah, you know there's people aren't as buff as you. You're judging, right? It happens all the time, right? So Planet Fitness can call themselves home of the judgment-free zone, but we know that's not the case. It happens all the time at the gym. Now, we constantly judge. You're judging me right now. You're judging my new beard, right? You totally are. Get it? All right, you're judging it. Um, you know, you're going to judge my speaking, my preaching. I'm judging you, so you're not off the hook either. All right, I'm totally judging you if you're going to fall asleep on me. You know, totally get there. I'm totally going to judge you. You're going to judge me. We can't avoid this thing that we call judging. But can we talk about it a little bit for a moment? We constantly judge, and I want you to think about the words don't judge me. The words don't judge me are actually judgmental words. All right, they're actually judgmental. It's hypocritical to ask someone not to judge you. Why? Because the moment you say, don't judge me, you're judging if they're going to judge you or not. You're assuming they're going to judge you. I know it's confusing, right? But we're ta- they're hypocritical words. You can't say, don't judge me, because immediately you do, you're like, I'm judging you that you're judging me. All right? So we just, it just throws, I mean, just forget it. All right? Don't judge me is actually judgmental. It's hypocritical. But here's the thing. The argument for not judging one another, people often use the scriptures. They often use the Bible. They say, well, the Bible says don't judge. Actually, Jesus said don't judge. And you're right. All right? You're right that he said don't judge. But if you're going to be fair to the person who said those words don't judge, you need to understand the full context behind those words and what he actually meant when he said those words don't judge. So this morning what I want us to do is we're going to look at those words of Jesus this morning and we're going to look at those words in the Gospel of Luke chapter 6 
And then we're going to kind of use a parable, that, a story that Jesus told to help illustrate what I believe Jesus was meaning behind those words in Luke chapter 6. So we find Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, or Sermon on the Plain, according to Luke. Luke chapter 6, verse 36, and we'll read to verse 42. Jesus says this, He's just talked to those who are listening to this sermon about loving our enemies, and He says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see that log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. We're going to come back to that in a moment. So keep your finger, I don't know how you do this on your app, but figure it out. Keep Luke 6, all right? We're going to go to Luke 15 now. Luke chapter 15, it's a familiar parable that Jesus told the parable of the prodigal son, which is really not about the son at all. It's really about the merciful father. All right, so Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to the end of the chapter. Jesus tells this story, and he says, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He's saying, listen, I want my inheritance now. Give it to me now. I want it now. And so he divides the property between them, the father does. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. There's the mercy. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned. Here's repentance. Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us celebrate. Let's have a party. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. This is where I come in. I'm so much like the older brother. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry, the brother was, and refused to go in. His father came out and and spoke with him, and he answered his father, Look, these many years I've served you. I've never disobeyed your command. I've run the family business, kind of like my interpretation here. Done it all right. We've multiplied the business. It's been great. And yet you never gave me a young goat. Not sure how they party over there, but goats were involved in the partying. 
All right? And that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, the father says to the older brother, oldest son, he says, son, you're always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And then head back, if you would, to Luke chapter 6 this morning. If you're new to Luke's gospel, you need to understand that Luke is a disciple of Jesus. He was a travel companion with the Apostle Paul. And Luke's purpose in writing this gospel to his friend Theophilus is so that Theophilus will know with certainty who this Jesus is. So Luke is taking great detail to relay to his friend the events of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, so that this guy Theo can firmly and accurately and with certainty know who this Jesus is. And so Luke records for us this famous sermon of Jesus, and it was written about 50, between 50 to 60 A.D. And so here we have this sermon, and as Joseph spoke on last Sunday about loving your enemies, Jesus continues, and he says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And then he goes on further. Now before we jump into this, what Jesus means, we need to understand first that Jesus not only told his disciples how to live, he showed us how to live. So if we're going to understand what Jesus means by judge not, Jesus is going to show us what he means. He's going to show us by his own example what judging not looks like. So we need to understand that so we can look at the life of Jesus because Jesus didn't judge the way that he's communicating here. So we need to look at him for our example of what he means by judge not. So this morning we're going to look at what Jesus isn't saying by these words judge not. Then we're going to look at what Jesus is saying by these words. And we're going to look at why we do it, right? Why we judge the way that Jesus is saying why we shouldn't, and then how do we, there's a lot there, but we're going to try to get through it. And then how do we overcome it? How do we deal with it? This struggle of judging in the way that Jesus tells us not, tells us not to. So let's be first here. What Jesus is not saying here. Jesus is not saying that we never make a judgment. All right, he's not saying we never make a judgment. We never assess a person's choices. We never confront sin or never tell people That they're sinners. Jesus is not saying we must give unconditional approval or acceptance for a person's sinful moral choices. How do we know this? Because Jesus didn't give unconditional approval or acceptance for a person's sinful moral choices. So we're looking at him. He never approved of the Pharisees' religious pride. In fact, multiple times he referred to them as hypocrites. Jesus didn't approve of Zacchaeus' cheating people all right, out of money. He called them on the carpet. Jesus did. He didn't approve of that. Jesus, if you just read Romans 1 or in Genesis, Sodom and Gomorrah, we see that Jesus didn't approve of the homosexual activity in the first century of Rome or back in Sodom and Gomorrah. So what we see by Jesus here, his own example, is that Jesus didn't unconditionally approve or give acceptance to people's lifestyle if that lifestyle involves sin. Jesus continually exposed people's sin, telling people to repent, telling people to stop sinning and turn to Him. John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, woman at the well, they're talking about water, right? They're talking about, she's like, oh, I'm coming to draw water. And she's like, well, you need living water. Then Jesus totally gets in, into her private life. She didn't offer, he told, he goes this, he goes, go and call your husband. What? Jesus totally went there. He completely went into her private life and, she, and she, he says, go and call your husband and, and come here. 
And the woman answers that she doesn't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You actually have five husbands. And the guy that you're, that you're living with isn't your husband. Jesus totally brings to the surface this woman's sin. Why? Because sin is the problem. Sin is our problem. And Jesus knows that. That's why he came. And so until a person recognizes that the core of their problem is sin, there is no hope of, for them of forgiveness and healing and new life. So Jesus continually brought to the surface a person's sinful choices, a person's sinful heart. He told the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, verse 11, right? The Pharisees bring her in and they're like, hey, what, we should stone her. Our law says we should stone her. And Jesus says, well, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And they're like, okay, well, we're not. And then he looks at her and he says, I don't condemn you. But then well, here's what he says, go and sin no more. So he's, set, he's recognizing that this woman's lifestyle was sinful. He's calling it sin. So Jesus continually exposed people's sin and brought it to the surface. He told the Pharisees, who were these religious, moral people, and they trusted in the morality to bring them to God. He constantly exposed their own pride. And listen to what he said. He said to them, you serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? I mean, that's serious stuff that Jesus is bringing to light. Now, the problem with the Pharisees is this, that they didn't see themselves as sinners. So Jesus was constantly reminding them that they are sinners, just like the people they called sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. Jesus basically said, you can be faithful to your wife and be just as sinful as the guy that's sleeping with your wife because you have pride in your heart. That's, what, that's hard for us to hear, Right? But he's saying, listen, you're a sinner, he's a sinner, she's a sinner. God, Jesus constantly brought to the surface sin. Jesus told the church to confront sin. In Matthew chapter 18, he says this, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. So again, Jesus, when he says judge not, is not saying we just give this blanket, well, don't judge. All right, well, I can't confront you on your sinful choices. That's not what he's saying because Jesus continually exposed people's sin brought it to the surface, he tells the church, hey, listen, if you have someone in the church that's sinning against you, you need to go to them. You don't just sweep it under the carpet. You bring it out and you talk through it for the goal of restoring that person into a right relationship with God. Paul confronted Peter's sin and others in the church when they weren't acting in step with the truth of the gospel. Galatians 2.11. But when Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was wrong. And then Paul wrote to the church in Corinth to confront sin because what was going on is there was a guy in the church who was sleeping with his stepmom and not repenting of his sin. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you, something that even pagans don't do. I'm told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame, and you should remove this man from your fellowship. Pastor David Guzik said, says this, he says, Despite the way this passage is quoted by many of those who are not Christians, and even by many Christians, Jesus is not calling to a universal acceptance of any lifestyle or teaching. Why? Because Jesus understands that our truest problem is a problem of the heart, the problem of sin. And that's why he brings to the surface the sinful heart, so that he can see, he can show that our greatest need is him. Is him. So we need to understand that when Jesus says judge not, he's 
not saying you never confront sin, you never make a judgment, or you just give this unconditional approval and acceptance to any person's lifestyle choice if that is a sinful lifestyle based upon the truth of Jesus and the truth of Scripture. You see, our problem is sin, and sin is darkness. Jesus is light, and we reject the light. John 3, 17-19 says this, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, it's our sin that condemns us, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Then Jesus goes on and he says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. He's saying, listen, Jesus, I've come into the world. I'm the light and people choose the sin rather than the light. And so I've got to help them see that their biggest problem is sin so that they can see that they need me. That's why I've got to bring to light people's sinful hearts. And so we need to understand that when Jesus is saying, judge not, lest you be judged, he's not saying that we never make a judgment or we give unconditional blanket approval or acceptance to a person's sinful lifestyle choices. In fact, in John 7, 24, Jesus said this, judge with righteous judgment. So what is Jesus meaning? (laughs) What's he mean when he says, judge not, lest you be judged? Well, he says, judge not and you will not be judged, verse 37. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, here's what I believe Jesus is meaning here. I believe Jesus is referring to the inner motives, the motives of the heart. And he goes on, he says, judge not lest you'll be judged. Condemn not. Condemnation is about sentencing. All right, it's about sentencing someone. And I think what he's saying is you're pronouncing guilt on them. You've assumed their motive and therefore you've sentenced them. You've written them off. And instead of wanting forgiveness that, for that person, you want to be the one that brings them justice. You want to be the one that gets the revenge on them. That's what he's talking about. The scriptures say, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And I believe what Jesus is saying, listen, you don't know the heart. You can't assume the heart. I know the heart. And what what you're doing is you're assuming their motive. You're assuming the heart. And therefore, you're just writing them off. You don't want them to be forgiven. In fact, you want sentencing for them. You want me to zap them. I remember when I was a youth pastor in Springfield, Ohio, we had a girl in our youth group, quality young lady. And she started dating this guy. And I was like, man, I just don't think he's for her. This is what I was thinking. All right? I'm like, there's no way. She shouldn't be with him. I don't think he's going to amount to anything in life. And I'd just kind of written him off based upon what I'd seen. And now that young man is the senior pastor of the church where I was the youth pastor where I was thinking those things. Judging. All right? Judging the heart. Writing someone off. It means to be a critic. And I believe what Jesus is saying, he's like, don't do judging in this way. Now, I'm going to give you kind of an example, all right, of what I think Jesus is saying here. Kind of comical example. I'm on the way in this morning, and I'm with one of my kids in the car, and I'm talking to this person about my message. And I'm like, man, I really need kind of an analogy here of what Jesus is talking. He's talking about how don't judge. He's not saying don't ever judge. He's saying just don't judge in this way. And so we're talking. I'm like, I, I need this example. And so we're, we kind of came up with one. And it's kind of like a young parent who is teaching their child to use the restroom correctly. All right. And the child um, 
basically is using the restroom and they're not pooping in the toilet, right? And you, and you, and you, and you catch, and, and you go in there and you're like, don't do that. Now, you're not telling them, don't ever use the, use the, bath, use the, bath, the bath, bathroom. You're just saying, don't use the bathroom that way, okay, that way. And I'm like, we started laughing, we're just cut. I'm like, that's pretty good. That is almost exactly kind of what Jesus, all right, in, in a crude kind of way. Or to use a non-crude example, when we were in Ireland, we had to um, take our driver's test, and they drive on the other side of the road, right? Um, not the wrong side, come on, the other side. All right, that's an American thing we say, the wrong side, right? It's the other side of the road. And so we had to take our driver's test. And what, it was super, super hard, super hard. And for like 18 months, you get this big scarlet letter L on your windshield that says loser. No, it's learner, all right? But you drive everywhere with it. And so we were taking driving tests, or we took classes and all this stuff. And our driving instructor her name was Barbara. And if you cross over when you make a turn, you get immediate fail and over there. Can you imagine that? Like we do that all the time. Right When you cross over and make a turn, you do that in Ireland, you fail. You fail your test. Now, if we were doing that, Barbara would say, don't do that. Now, she's not saying, don't ever turn the wheel. Right? She's saying, don't do it this way. Don't do this. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's, like, he's not saying, don't ever judge, don't ever make a judgment. He's saying, you just don't judge this way. You don't judge the interior motive of the heart. It's, it means to be a constant critic, to have a, have a habit of criticizing or condemning a person. You're a con- constant fault finder, a sin spotter, a criticizer to the point where you've written that person off, you've condemned them, you've sentenced, sentenced them to the point where you've even, you've even separated yourself from them. J.D. Greer, who's a pastor down in Carolina, he said this, not judging doesn't mean you don't tell people truth about sin. Judging is what you do after you tell that person the truth that determines if you're judging them. Judging is not about assessing, it's about sentencing. And you know these kind of people, right? It's a people on Facebook who they're constantly, constantly railing and just kind of drilling people. Right? They're constantly criticizing people on Facebook, tweeting it out. They're the people at Thanksgiving where everybody's happy and they're like, you know, giving all the things they're thankful for. And then this joker, you know, your brother, sister, whomever, Uncle Freddie, is like, dude, Mr. Downer. And he's like criticizing, well, remember back in whatever, 50 years ago when you didn't treat me? I mean, just totally like ripping it apart, criticizing people. You know, dinner table, family reunions, family devotions. I mean, you get the one that's just constantly criticizing and all this different stuff. And can I be honest? That's me. That's the older brother. That is the older brother. I am so much like the older brother. Now, I may not verbally say it, but it's here. And if you're honest, I'm guessing you are too. Guessing you are too. I'm so quick, guys, to lower the gavel and declare others guilty and me righteous. I'm so quick. And you know the standard I use to do that? My own. How unfair is that? How unfair is that? And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. My disciples, they don't do that. But I can be so critical, quick to spot sin in others quick to justify myself. I can tell you this, as I was preparing for this message, I probably confessed my, more, my sins more in this past week than my entire life as I was preparing for this and studying this. Because I'm so like this. And, and you need to say, well, am I this way too? And can I answer that for you? You are. I'll just answer, you are. Okay? 
Pastor Ray Pritchard gives a checklist to see if maybe you're prone to judging with this kind of judgmental, critical, condemnatory spirit. He says, you're like this if you are the person that passes along critical stories to others. Or you have a strong bias to find others guilty. Or you're the person that's too harsh even when speaking the truth. Or you add aggravating remarks when telling a story. Or you dismiss an unkind remark you made by saying, I was only joking. Or you say something critical and then you try to cover it up. Or you're prone to this kind of judging when you take pleasure in condemning others. Or you tell the truth in order to hurt, not to help. Or you put others down in order to make yourself look better. That's what Jesus is talking about. So why shouldn't we do this? Jesus goes on. Why shouldn't we judge in this way? Jesus goes on and explains why, why we shouldn't eat by giving a couple parables. He says, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. And John Owen, who is an amazing theologian and preacher, said this, and you need to remember this quote, phenomenal quote. He said, the seed of every sin is in every heart. The seed for every sin is in every heart heart. And so Jesus gives these two examples. He says this blind man example. Both men are blind. One's trying to lead the other one. What's going to be the result? They both fall into the pit. Here's what I think he's saying. He's saying this. The person that judges is no different than the person they're judging. No different. You're both sinners. You're both blind. You just express your sin differently than the other person. It just comes out in a different form. You're both the same. And then he uses a student-teacher example, and a lot of different commentators have different views on this. Um, here's where I'm landing on this. I think to keep consistent with what Jesus is saying, and in this context of what he's saying, he uses this blind, example, blind man example, saying you're both the same. The one judging, you're a sinner, just like the one that's being judged, and the one being judged, you're the same. You're, you're both sinners. But he's saying, listen, if you continue to follow people that are like this, you're going to end up being the same way. You're going to end up being the same thing. Disciple becomes like his teacher in this way. Both are sinners. Paul said this in Romans 2.1. He said, therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you judges for in passing judgment on another. You condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Paul said this in Romans 3. He said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We can't judge the heart because Jeremiah tells us the heart is wicked, deceitful. And only God knows the heart. It's not that we can't look at a person's life and determine if, where they need to be restored with sin, but to judge a person's motive and their heart. Jesus says, don't do that. And Jesus uses these parables. And if you're a Pharisee listening to this, you're going, this would have just made you stinking mad. You would have been so mad. This is the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son. Total older brother. Here's the older brother, right? He forgets that his pride is just as sinful as his younger brother's greed. He's forgetting he's a sinner. It's just that his sin is expressed in a different form. And Jesus is saying, you're a sinner. If you're to the judge, to the one that's judging, you're a sinner just like the one that's being judged. And to the one being judged, you're a sinner just like the one judging you. You both need God's mercy. 
You both need his mercy, and that's why I think Jesus starts as be merciful. Have the character of mercy as your Father is merciful. And Jesus goes on to say, so here's why you do this. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Verse 41, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your own eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Again, Jesus isn't saying we never confront sin. He's saying, but here's the process of doing that. Here's the process. Here's the reason why we do this. Jesus says, verse 41, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice the log that is in your own eye. And then he says, you do not see, in verse 42, the log that is in your own eye. Here's why I think we struggle with this so much. is because we fail to see our own sinfulness. We fail to see our own sinfulness. We've forgotten who we were apart from Jesus. You've forgotten what you've been given in Jesus. This was the problem of the prodigals or of the older brother. He's looking at his brother's speck of greed and missing the log of pride in his own eye. He'd forgotten all that the Father had given him, and it was keeping him from enjoying the feast that the Father not only had given him and all the possessions and everything that he had received his older brother, but he was missing the, the, the joy of seeing his younger brother come home and be restored. For in the prodigal's story, in that parable, here's what the Father says to the older brother. He says, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours, and it's fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And this, I will confess to you, is my problem. My pride. I'm such an older brother. I'm so quick to judge the heart and motives of others, and it drives me nuts. And it's here, I do it because I fail to see the sinful heart of myself. I fail to see my own sin. I fail to remember the mercy that God has given to me when He sent His Son to die on a cross for my sins. And I fail to remember that. I fail to refresh my mind of that. And I fail to remember the riches of grace that He's given to me. We forget that we were so quick to judge because we forget who we were apart from Christ and all that we've been given in Christ. Paul said this to a group of Christians living in Corinth. He said, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, and we're all in this list someplace, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's mercy. Here's grace. And he says, and such were some of you. But you were washed, gives me goosebumps, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. He's saying, this is who you were apart from Christ. And now with Christ, you're clean. I've washed you, you have new life. Don't ever, ever forget that. And the reason why we're so quick to judge the motive, judge the inner heart, is because we forget our own sinfulness and we forget the grace and the mercy that we've received by Christ. God through Christ and His cross. And Jesus says, listen, if you want to see clearly the sin in your brother's eye, and in your brother's life, first look at the sin of your own. And remember the mercy you've been given. Again, Jesus is not saying we never confront sin in others, but He's saying if you truly love them, you will. And He says, listen, make sure you're spotting the sin in your own life first. You go there, you confess first. You see your own sin first, and then you 
call upon the Lord and you say, thank you for your mercy in my life. So how do we do this? How do, how do we overcome this? And I think Jesus gives us some things, just three things I want to share with you this morning. So if this is you, if you're like me and you struggle with this so much, here's some things I think we can, some training wheels that I think we can use. First thing is you need to see the mercy given to you by God in the gospel. You need to remember the mercy that you've received. Again, Jesus said, verse 36, be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Titus said this, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy. You need to soak in the gospel. You need to memorize passages about God's mercy, memorize passages about God's grace, and you need to remember that apart from Him, you are a sinner. (laughs) That is who you are. So you need to soak in the gospel. You need to memorize the gospel. You need to speak it to yourself every day. And when those thoughts of judgmental and your your critical spirit, you you take every thought captive and you make it obedient to Jesus, as Paul says of Corinthians, and you capture that, you confess it, and you remember, thank you, Jesus, for washing me clean. I mean, you've got to talk to yourself throughout the day. You've got to preach the gospel to yourself. You refresh your heart on Christ's cross and resurrection. If you need a book to help you do that, this is a great book. I highly recommend it. Living the Cross-Centered Life by C.J. Mahaney. Read it years ago. Phenomenal book. If you want a copy, we will get you a copy free. All right? Serious. If you want a copy of this, we'll put a piece of paper on the information table, put your name on it, and we'll get copies for you. All right? This is not to be a substitute for here. It's supplement. All right, so it, this, is, this isn't a substitute, it's a supplement. But it's a great little book to help us live the cross in our life, remembering the mercy that we've been given in Christ. You see the mercy given to you. Second thing is you need to spot your own sin first. How do you do that? You confess your sins daily. How many of us truly throughout the day are confessing our sins to the Lord? John wrote in 1 John 1, 9, he was writing to a group of Christians, he said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you start confessing your own sins, you begin to realize, whoa, <laughs> wow, okay, serious logs going on. I mean, like, boat-sized logs going on in my life, right? And you start focusing, but then don't stay there. If you're a follower of Jesus, don't say that. That should point you to the cross, should lead you to the grace and mercy of Jesus and how he's forgiven you. And when you remember that you've been forgiven generously, it enables you to forgive generously. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Spot your own sin first. You can do that by confessing your sins. And then third, share the mercy and kindness of God with others that you've received. Share the mercy and kindness of God that you've received with others. Because to withhold that truth from people is unloving. To withhold it from them is unloving. Because like a loving doctor who went to my dad when my dad was experiencing chest pain a few years ago, and the doctor said, we need to get you in right now. And they go in and they find out that 90% of his widowmaker was blocked. Loving doctor said, I mean, just within moments, my dad could have been gone. Loving doctor notifies and he notices the problem. And he says, we got to do something now. An unloving doctor would have been like, I'm not going to tell you what you need, man. You got issues going on, but hey, don't, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to. Loving doctors like, dude, going now. We're going to clean this thing up. So to withhold the truth of what people really need is unloving. You do that with love. You communicate it with love and grace and truth. But we need to share the mercy and kindness of God that we've received with those who need it. 
So let's remember what Jesus isn't saying here. He's not saying we never make a judgment. We give unconditional acceptance and approval to a person's sin. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, listen, don't judge like this. Don't judge the inner motives. Don't judge the heart. Don't condemn a person and sentence them and write them off. The reason why you do is because you fail to see your own sinfulness. And the way you overcome that is by looking at the cross. Looking at the cross. Looking at the gospel you've received. If you have a note card on your seat, I'm going to ask the band to come. Have a note card at your seat. As we close this morning, I want you to think, what's Jesus saying to you this morning? What's He saying to you in light of these words, judge not, lest you be judged? Are you a person that's quick to condemn? You're quick to find fault, quick to spot the sin in someone else before you spot it in you? If so, you need to confess that, that sin. Or maybe there's a sin in a fellow follower of Jesus whom you love greatly and you've known it and out of love, you know you need to go address that for them. And you do that with grace, with the goal of restoring them. Or maybe there's someone that you know, they don't know Christ, and they're in desperate, sinful, I mean, they're just in the pit, and they need the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus. Maybe you need to go talk to them this week. Maybe you're like me, and you just are such a crazy older brother. And you need to confess that to the Lord this morning. But listen, maybe you're here, and you have not received the mercy of Jesus. You've not been washed. You've not been made clean. Listen, that's why Jesus came. To wash you clean, to make you, to set you free, to bring you to himself. And maybe for you, you just simply right where you sit this morning say, I confess I am a sinner, Lord Jesus. Give me your mercy. Make me clean. And he promises, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, he will do that. So what's Jesus saying to you this morning? Maybe there's people in this room you need to go talk to later on today. You need to apologize for how you've responded to them, for what you've been saying. Maybe you just need prayer. I don't know. What's Jesus saying to you? I want to give you a couple minutes to just write that on your card. What's Jesus saying to you this morning? You're not going to share these later. This is just for you, your own heart, your own walk with Jesus this morning. When Jesus says, judge not, lest you be judged, condemn not, forgive, give, be merciful as your Father is merciful, what's he saying to you this morning? Maybe if you don't have a pen and note card, you want to grab your phone, go to your little note section and write it there as a reminder. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Listen to what Paul wrote. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, here's the grace, but when the goodness The loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. He saved us. He's made us clean, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, it is because of Your great mercy that we can stand here, those of us who have repented of our sins and received your grace, received forgiveness through Christ and his cross and his resurrection, we can stand here and we can shout and we can sing because you've washed us clean because of your mercy. And like you, such an incredible mercy giver, may we have that same quality and characteristic as your followers. But thank you this morning, Father, for expressing your mercy to us and then may we express that mercy to others.